Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Fear Not. We can all identify with fear, but it's what we do with this fear that matters. During this series, we'll learn how to overcome some common fears with the power of God. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. So we're in the middle of this series called Fear Not, and we're looking at some of those fears that all of us come into contact with because we're human, and we're looking at what Scripture tells us about them. And today we're going to be looking at the fear of intimacy. Uh, Pastor John Ortberg has written a, a book about uh, connections, and in, the end, he, in his book he, he starts off and he tells this story that in 2015, researchers at the University of California at Berkeley announced that they would be part of a $100 million project for space travel to see if there was intelligent life in the universe. So the plan was to send a tiny nanocrafts uh, traveling at one-fifth the speed of light into the Alpha Centauri. Now, Stephen Hawkins expressed the, the purpose of this very poignantly. He said this, It is important to know if we are all alone in the dark. So the folks at Berkeley are not the only ones who want to know. We're all constantly sending out tiny emotional nanocrafts to find out whether we're all alone in the dark. Uh, these little nanocrafts that we send out, they, they travel at high speeds and they're easy to miss. They can be small, like, did you see the game last night? They can be poignant. I don't think I'll ever call my dad again. They can be deep. I'm not sure my spouse loves me anymore. They can be urgent. I have nobody else to talk to. Can I speak to you? These emotional nanocrafts are what researcher John Gottman calls bids for emotional connection. We start issuing those bids before we can talk. A baby's cry is a bid to connect. As we grow older, those bids or invitations for intimacy take other forms. A bid can be a question, a gesture. A look, a touch, any single expression that says, I want to feel connected to you. Intimacy of every kind is either built up or eroded based on how well we handle those subtle little nanocrafts of relational life. You know, back in January, as a, as a church, we invited you uh, during three weeks of prayer to write down your prayer request on post-it notes and put them on the walls here and over there. And then we invited uh, you to pray over those. And as I was praying over those prayer requests that, that you and I put on the wall, I, I began to notice that there, was, uh, there were some themes. And one of those themes was about relationships. There were prayers for healing for broken relationships. There were prayers for marriages. There were prayers for families. There were prayers for children, for parents, for friends, for neighbors. There were prayers for connection at school, at work. Those prayers reflect our need for healthy, life-giving connections with other people. We all have a need to know others 
and to be known by others. We call that intimacy. And as much as we need intimacy as human beings and desire it, oddly enough, many of us fear intimacy. We fear being open and honest about the real us. We, we fear being unaccepted. We, we fear feeling awkward about deeper connections. And on the backside of this, we also fear losing those connections. You know, as we were preparing for this series, I invited you to, to share with me your fears. And there was a theme in those things that you shared. Uh, they were themes about losing significant relationships, like a marriage. Uh, there were fears about loneliness and fears uh, about getting too close and risking relational disappointments as you have had in the past. So let me remind you, sort of level set things about how God created you. God knit you together in your mother's womb. The scripture tells us that, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Now, with that foundational understanding, then we know we were made perfectly by God, uh, created to feel all of the emotions that we feel, including loneliness when we feel disconnected, and also including feeling excited and appreciated when we are connected. You see, we were made to connect by our Creator. We were made to connect with the Creator, and we were, were made to connect with the other members of the creation. Um, and, and in fact, uh, modern science supports this. Uh, scientists have discovered that uh, this truth that we were made to connect is hardwired to our brains. Researcher Danman, Daniel Goldman summarizes it this way. The most fundamental revelation of the discipline of neurobiology is that we are wired to connect Neuroscience has discovered that our brain's very design makes it sociable, inexorably drawn into intimate brain-to-brain link-up whenever we engage with another person. Now, while some of us are introverted and others of us may be more extroverted, the truth of the matter is we all need some level of human connections. We need to to know others, and we need to be known by others in varying degrees based on our emotional wiring. Um, that connection is what we're talking about as intimacy. And here's the truth. We should not fear intimacy. So let me start with talking about how to overcome the, the fear of intimacy. To, to overcome it, uh, the first thing you need to do is, is start with your acceptance by Christ. All right. The Apostle Paul tells us Christ accepted us. He accepted you. Let's remind ourselves of what Christ's acceptance looks like. He shows us his love and acceptance by loving us enough to die for us while we were still enemies of God. He loved us enough to die for us even when he knew some of us would reject him and ignore him and disobey his teaching. Now, this isn't a casual kind of acceptance. This is a full acceptance of knowing uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the people that he loves up to that point once we realize it and then for the rest of our lives. You see, God is ever-present and God is all-knowing. So let that sink in. If God's ever present wherever you've been in, in this world and wherever you're going, God's going to be there. 
And because he's all-knowing, he knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the stuff you should have done and the stuff that you did do, the stuff that you did uh, faithfully and the stuff that you did unfaithfully. He knows it all. And guess what? He still accepts you. He still loves you. He would still spread out his arms wide like this on the cross and be crucified for you. This is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be familiar with the hymn, Just As I Am. The first verse goes this way. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. That hymn is a powerful testimony of how God accepts every single one of us. He accepts us before we come to faith and when we come to faith. And when you know the story about the hymn writer, the testimony of this song becomes more powerful. It was written by a woman named Charlotte Elliott. She was a hymn writer from London who lived in the 1800s. She was a famous poet in her youth, but at the age of 32, she became seriously ill. And because of that illness, she was disabled for the rest of her life. She was encouraged in this second part of her life then to, to take her talents for writing poems and, and to start writing hymns. A, a spiritual mentor encouraged her to do that. And it was because of her condition that she struggled with depression. But it was because of her hope in Jesus, her, her renewed faith and trust in him, and, and an assurance of her salvation that allowed her to write hymns like Just As I Am, recognizing that God loves all of us and accepts all of us just as we are. And so when you know that about the hymn and how she saw God's acceptance for her, even in such a dramatic life change for her, that's so powerful for us. Discovering that God accepts us just as we are, even though he knows all about us, is an intimate revelation that should help us overcome the fear of intimacy. We are fully known by God and he still accepts us. Now, since relationships are two-way streets, this revelation about God deserves a response. And I, and I think most of us would respond in a spontaneous embracing of God. But, but just as a reminder, I'll tell you what Jesus taught us when he was asked what the greatest commandment was. His response was, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. In other words, with all that you are as a human being. Loving God with the totality of who we are. Being connected having an intimate relationship with God. Making the decision to love God with all that you are is a step toward overcoming the fear of intimacy, the fear of intimacy with God. You know, in today's culture, one of the few places people sing out loud together is in church. You know, singing uh, to God has always been an important way to worship God. And many of the psalms were songs that were sung to God. But as I said, I realize that in today's culture, some people feel 
discomfort regarding singing in public. The next time you go to a sporting event or you watch one on TV, uh, when they sing the national anthem, see how many people are singing. And there's just that, that, that discomfort uh, of singing in public. So if it happens at sporting events, uh, then it also, uh, we realize it can happen at church. Now, part of that's because uh, many of us, like me, don't want to feel embarrassed uh, by singing things uh, in a poor way. Um, you know, I, I, I'm in the uh, joyful noise category, okay? An emphasis on noise, all right? Um, so so I, none of us wants to embarrass our, ourselves, but I also suspect that another reason some of us feel discomfort regarding singing is because whether it's a classic hymn or a new worship song, some of the lyrics uh, uh, have a feeling of a connection to God that feels uh, uncomfortably uh, intimate, um, feeling expressing that intimacy of love toward God for many of us may feel uncomfortable. But I have to tell you about myself. I've decided that I'm not going to be embarrassed by my uncomfortableness of expressing my devotion to God. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. And, and you know, just a, just a little shout out. Um, you know, we have an incredible worship team from the, the musicians and the vocalists who, who are up front to the tech folks in the back who honestly make it easy for somebody like me who's a little embarrassed to be heard over others. So I, I appreciate what they do. And, and I suspect you, too, you do too. And I think it's appropriate to, to uh, just you know, give them a little love and, and show our appreciation. You know, but you know, the reality is it's connecting with God, and it, and it helps us do that. Going into an intimate place with God. Recently, I heard an interview with Pastor Kevin Queen, and he said, the more intimate we are with God, the less intimidated we are by people. The more intimate we are with God, the less intimidated we are by people. So now that we're losing our fear of intimacy with God, let's talk about our intimacy with people. Intimacy with people starts when you give acceptance to others. That's the second thing that I want you to hang on to. Give acceptance to others. Let me go back to Romans 15. You know, we read just a portion of, of, verse, uh, of Romans 15, verse 7. So let's read the whole thing now. Paul writes, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You know, God's word holds us accountable time and time again to treat others the way God treats us, to forgive others the way God has forgiven us, to love others the way God loves us, to, and to accept others the way God accepts us. Now, as I mentioned earlier, God accepted us just as we are. God didn't say, change yourself and then I'll accept you. He accepts us just as we are. And if a change happens, it happens through that connection and that love relationship with God. There was a day in Jesus' life when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law brought a woman who had been caught in adultery to them and they basically threw her at the feet of Jesus and they were doing this to try to get to trap Jesus in his teaching. And 
he immediately was able to disperse those teachers of the law and the Pharisees by challenging those who had thrown the, who had, who had not sinned to be the first person to stone this woman. And stoning was the uh, verdict for anybody who was caught in adultery. And so they all left. And then Jesus talked with her. And in doing so, not only had he saved her life with his conversation with the teachers in law and the Pharisees, but now he communicated that he accepted her. He accepted her just as she was. He, he said, where are those who condemn you? They'd gone. They weren't there. And he said, I don't condemn you either. In other words, I accept you. And then he said, go and leave your life of sin. He, he dealt with her basic need to be accepted. And then he dealt with the stuff that needed to be dealt with. Fred Rogers, uh, in the book that he wrote, The World According to Mr. Rogers, said this, Love isn't a perfect state of caring. It is an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. Accepting people as they are does not mean that you approve of everything they do. Accepting people as they are doesn't mean that you approve of everything they do. Jesus accepts us while we're still sinners, but he doesn't approve of our sinful lives. Isn't that what many of us do as parents? We tell our kids we love them, but we discipline them for their disobedience. I mean, when my kids were growing up, and even now that they're adults, I tell them, you know, there is nothing that you could do that will ever take my love away from you. In other words, I love you and you'll always have my love. But they also know through experience that if they do something that I disapprove of, we're going to have a conversation about there and there, there may be some punishment. It's different now that they're in their 20s, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm no longer a disciplinarian. I'm just an advisor when they want advice. So... Um, but, you know, that's what we do, and, and, and that's what we need to communicate honestly to our kids, whether they're 5 or 50. You're always a parent if you're a parent, and you always need to communicate to your kids that you'll love them no matter what, because we all want to know that we, we're loved and accepted. You know, think this through. Of, of all the people in the world, Followers of Christ should be the ones who communicate that they accept all people just as they are. Knowing how we have been accepted by Jesus just as we are. Feeling accepted opens the door to relational connections and intimacy with others. You know, I come back to this all the time in this anger-filled climate that we live in in this country. God's word tells followers of Jesus 
to love others and accept others as we have been loved and accepted. So that means this, that we love and accept those who share our political views and who don't share our political views. That means we love and accept those who we disagree with and who we agree with. That we love and accept those who, uh, whose lifestyles that we support and whose lifestyles that we're not in agreement with. That we love and accept those who love us and those who hate us. That we love and accept those who have been mean to us and those who have been nice to us. That we love and accept those who are different than us or the same as us, regardless of their race, socioeconomic background, or even religion. Followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to love others like they've been loved. Jesus said it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus lived that out. He communicated that with his words and his actions. He loves us all. So I talked about Mr. Rogers. How many of you watched Mr. Rogers growing up? Yeah, yeah. You know, Mr. Rogers, uh, some, some things about Mr. Rogers. He wasn't a Navy SEAL, okay? That is an urban legend, okay? Um, but he was a follower of Jesus. And knowing that, and if you think about what you watched as a kid, or maybe you've read some of his writings, you'll see his faith come shining through. This is what he said. He said, I think everybody longs to be loved and longs to know that he or she is lovable. Don't we all? Everybody longs to know if they are loved and to know that they're lovable. And Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. The great relational divides in our country are often because we don't connect with people and treat them with love and acceptance. When we love people and accept them, we create connections that we all need. We're called to love and accept others just as we've been loved and accepted by God. Our love and acceptance of others is not based on their love and acceptance of us. We love and accept them regardless of how they feel about us. Let me go back one more time to Romans 15.7. Did you notice that last phrase? I'll, I'll just read the whole thing. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. When we accept one another, we bring praise to God by honoring his word. Our acceptance of others is an act of worship to God. Our acceptance of others connects us with them and with God. Our obedience to God's word deepens our connection with God. How we handle human relationships affects our intimacy with God. Think about it. How are you connecting in your relationships with others? Are you honoring God or are you dishonoring God? To go deeper, though, we have to do this third thing. Take the risk to be real with others. Take the risk to be real with others. Years ago, I heard somebody define intimacy with this phrase. Intimacy means into me see. Into me see. 
If you're going to be intimate with somebody, you're going to let them look into your life. You're going to let them in. And here's the deal. We fear if people can see the real us, the real lives that we live, the real things that we wrestle with, that we would not be accepted. We fear being hurt. We fear being real with others. And maybe some of it's legitimate. Maybe you've gotten uh, real with somebody and they pulled away and you felt rejected and unaccepted. Uh, so to protect yourself, you vowed you'd, you were never going to get close to somebody again. You know, I understand that. I've felt that at times. But as a follower of Christ, I felt the leading of God's Spirit reminding me that as a follower of Christ, I'm not supposed to live by my feelings. I'm supposed to live by my faith in Jesus. And Jesus calls me as his follower to a higher level of living. So how does God's word tell us that we're supposed to live in relationships to others? Peter tells us this, we're supposed to love one another deeply from our heart. What does it mean to love deeply? Well, the opposite of loving deeply, it would be to by, be loving shallow. Shallow relationships are ones where we really don't get to know one another. We don't uh, know what brings each other joy or sadness. We don't, what, don't know what makes each, other's, each other tick. We don't know each other's stories. Loving deeply means accepting people where they are regardless if we agree with them. Loving deeply means we take time to listen to their stories and to share our stories with them. Loving deeply means taking the risk to put your heart out there for people. You know, the Bible gives us the best definition of love. In, in 1 Corinthians, you're familiar with this. I'm just going to read it. Just, just meditate on what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Loving deeply is loving like God does. You know, if you read through that passage again, you'll see the definition of love addressed, loving in a way that overcomes the fear of intimacy. Look at verse 4 where it says, love always trusts always hopes, always perseveres. Trust, hope, and perseverance help us love like God loves. Loving like that overcomes the fear of intimacy. One more verse on the love that helps us risk being real with others. In 1 John, we read this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. When we seek to love as we've been loved by God, there's no room for fear of any kind, especially the fear of intimacy. Now, look, I know this sounds uh, like good theory, so how does this work in our day-to-day -day life? You know, my first three years of being a pastor, uh, many summers I served as a staff member at a Christian camp for a week. Some years I was a cabin counselor, some years I was the speaker, some years I was the uh, camp pastor. 
But without fail, every summer I had the same experience. In that first 24 hours at that camp, I went through some strange emotions. Initially, I thought it was loneliness. Uh, but what I came to realize uh, was that it had something to do more with a fear of intimacy. Oftentimes, I didn't know a lot of the other staff as they seemed to know each other when they arrived. And there was this fear about not being accepted, this fear of uh, getting to know new people and, and having them get to know me and how much do I want them to get to know me and, and, and all of that. And, you know, honestly, the first couple of times, I just lived with the feeling and, and uh, you know, it eventually just, uh, I forgot about it. But I noticed after it became... After a few summers, it became more intense and overwhelming. And so I took it to God. I, I prayed, and, and as I prayed, I really sensed that God was saying, Listen, uh, you know that I am with you. Walk by faith. Trust me that I accept you and that you can walk through these new relationships and you'll experience acceptance. You'll get to know new people. And they'll get to know you. And I discovered that as I trusted him and walked by faith, that I, that I was accepted. And I got to know new people and make new friendships and, and vice versa. But it really came out of trusting what God's word tells us. You know, that was something that I didn't do in my own flesh. It was something that, that God did in me because his spirit lives inside of me and inside every follower of Christ. All through this series, we've been asking you to memorize a verse from 2 Timothy. It's chapter 1, verse 7. And, you know, here's the verse. I'll just remind, it, remind you of it again. Paul is writing. He says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, listen, if you've decided to follow Jesus Christ, if you become a follower of Jesus, he's placed his spirit within you. And because you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the power to overcome your fear of intimacy or any other fear. And because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have the power to love others like God loves others and even to let them love you. And because you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you have a sound mind so that you don't have to think according to your human nature. You can think according to God's will. You have all you need. But it does take you taking the risk to trust God and walk in faith and face that fear that has no place in your life. You know, Jesus came and he said we can have life to all its fullest. But if you live in a fear of intimacy, you will not have life to its fullest. You'll miss out on the fullness of the joy of life through having a, not having a relationship with God. You'll, you'll miss out of not having relationships with other people, being known and knowing them. And remember, God created even this community that we call the church. He, he created this community where people who have a common faith in Jesus Christ, though they are different and unique, can unite around that common faith and that common mission and love and accept one another and know and be known and do something 
that they could never do on their own. But it takes us walking in faith and trusting that God has called us to him to follow him and not to focus on being afraid of anything. He's filled us with the spirit and there's no fear in the spirit. So I want to close this time spending some time in prayer and uh, to start off that prayer time you know I've talked about when you became a follower of Jesus that he put the Holy Spirit in you but if you've never told him you believe in him and that you want to follow him then you haven't become a Christian and so he hasn't poured out his spirit into you so I'm going to give you the opportunity, if you've never prayed a prayer like that, to do that. And I'll just give you the phrases one at a time. And then I'm going to move into a, a time of prayer for all of us to pray about our fear of intimacy and to give you some quiet time to pray about that. So there'll be two movements in this prayer. Let me start with a prayer for anyone who wants to profess faith in Jesus. So I'm going to invite all of you to close your eyes. And, and as we close our eyes, uh, I'm just going to give you these phrases to pray. If you want to tell Jesus that you believe in him, just pray silently these words. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Go ahead and tell him that. I believe that he conquered death and sin and rose again. And now he lives forever. And today I declare I want to follow him. We'll bring that prayer to a close, but still in a time of prayer, I want to invite you to talk to God about uh, your fear of intimacy. And if you really don't struggle with that, praise God. But I'm sure you know somebody else who does. So would you pray for them? I'll start us off in this prayer time and I'll give you some silent time to pray and then I'll close our time. Father, thank you. Thank you that you made us to connect with you and with others. Thank you that when you created us, you saw it wasn't good to be alone and so you created us to be in community. Father, some of us struggle with a fear of intimacy, so hear our prayers. God, we thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you have come to give us a full life and that fullness means being connected and in community. So Lord, give us the power of your spirit every day to not live in fear, but to walk by faith. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.